the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. Yes. Hello, everyone. We're happy to be with you. Wendy, as you know, I've been having a lot of late nights. Uh-huh. Sleepless nights. Yeah, that quiet time in the night seems to be a a productive time lately. (laughs) It happens when I have a big old writing project. Mm -hmm. And I've been writing something very exciting. We have been given permission uh, by the Vatican to publish for the first time in English a retreat given by Carol Wojtyla, the future John Paul II, Mm-hmm. Uh, he gave a retreat in the early 60s to artists. And we at the Theology of the Body Institute, we have a, a great love of artists. We we incorporate art in everything we do. Yeah. And we're so privileged, uh, honored, and excited that we are going to be publishing later this year. We hope to release it on John Paul II's feast day, October 22nd, Mm -hmm. this retreat. And I've been writing the introduction, and I I can't tell you how excited I am. This is not some obscure work of Carol Wojtyla that's only of interest to historians or even only of interest to artists. Mm. Uh, John Paul II says, the goal in all of life, whether we are an artist or not, is to make of our lives a great work of art. Mm. That's holiness. And that's what this retreat is really all about, is how do we make of our lives a great work of art? I first discovered this retreat, and I'm surprised because I've, you know, I've given my whole life to studying mm-hmm. uh, the works of John Paul II, and I didn't even know about this until 2016 when I was reading in a book um, by a former professor of mine who was a friend of John Paul II. His name is Stanislaw Griegel, and the book is uh, Discovering the Human Person in Conversation with John Paul II. Marvelous book. I think I've recommended it on this podcast before. Yeah. But anyway, I was reading in that book, and he mentioned this retreat to artists that he said forms a single whole with the theology of the body. It's like, what? Nobody told me about this. How did I not know about this? Right. So I, I found out it had not even been published, or not only not published, but not even translated into English. And mm-hmm. through some friends I have in Poland, I was able to get an initial translation of it for my own private use. And then we got those uh, that permission we needed from the Vatican to publish it. And yeah, I, 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 I'm just thrilled about this. One of the most exciting things he says in this retreat he tells the story of when he was a young priest and he was visiting the Diocletian Baths in Rome. And this is where there's that famous collection of Greek statues, uh, nude statues. And he said, I took great pains in studying these masters of sculpture. Mm-hmm. And he said, I came to understand the gospel anew, and I came to understand it better. Pause right there for a minute. That's remarkable that this future pope and this young saint is saying, by studying these nude sculptures, he came to understand the gospel anew, and he came to understand it better. 
Yeah. And he said, I, 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 and he, he emphasized this several times. He took great pains. He says it was such a great labor to, to enter in and try to understand why they were pursuing such, uh, they were, he said they were looking for absolute beauty, perfect beauty in the human body. And he says it dawned on him that that's what the gospel is, mm. that perfect beauty, ultimate beauty, God himself, who is beauty, and that's the title of this retreat, God is Beauty. Mm -hmm. That God, ultimate beauty, capital B beauty, ultimate perfect beauty, has been revealed in the human body. It's called the incarnation. Mm. It's called Christianity. <laughs> it's called the gospel. It's called Christmas. It's also called theology of the body. So, yeah, I just wanted to share with everybody out there how excited I am about this retreat that we're going to be publishing. Uh, if you're not on our email list already, I'd recommend that you go to our website, just type in theologythebody.com or, or go to the link in the show notes and, and sign up for our email list so that you will be notified uh, when this book is released. It's, it's a gem and you're going you're gonna to be as excited as I am, I hope. Yes, we are excited. Thank you for your hard work on that. It's my joy. I mean, I, I wish I got a little more sleep I when, wish I, that too. <laughs> when I was in the midst of these writing projects, but it's a labor of love and it's, it's a joy to do, really. Is there anything else going on with the Institute you want to tell us about? Yeah, we have some exciting online courses coming. Uh, you can check the, the link below. We have this course uh, on the Blessed Mother. Theology of the Body and the Marian Mystery, uh, one of my favorite courses I've ever taught, probably my favorite course I've ever taught, that's available in May. Uh, we have the virtual conference coming up, which is free to sign up for. Uh, on, on this recording right now, we have, um, I don't know, 12,000 people or something already signed up for it. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. It's a global event. Uh, you'll want to check that out in the show notes as well. Great. Shall we go on with our questions? Yes, I think we have uh, our patron question, First right? First question. First question patron. from our patron, mm -hmm. as usual. Who's our patron? This is an anonymous question. Anonymous question That's from okay, a patron. patrons. You may do that. Yeah, you may do that. But <laughs> I just want to say thank you to this anonymous patron. We cannot do the work we do at the Theology of the Body Institute without patrons like you. So anybody out there, if you want to get even a better chance of having a question answered on this podcast, you can become a patron. Check out the link below, and your support of this work goes a long way. We're so grateful. So this anonymous question is, I've been thinking about infertility. I know the church teaches that some ways of achieving a pregnancy, like sperm or egg donors, are sinful, but I don't fully understand why. I would urge anybody who has uh, deep questions about these issues, and these are very sensitive issues, delicate issues. They touch some of the, the most tender places in our hearts. Our desire for a child is a God-given desire. Mm. Uh, it's a beautiful desire. But that beautiful end, that beautiful goal of having a child, desiring a child, does not justify the means of having a child. We can recognize that in, in a 
a, a basic way by saying your desire for a child would not justify, for example, stealing someone else's child, kidnapping someone else's child. So we can recognize simply the desire for a child does not mean you can do anything to have a child. Mm. That's my, my point That's there. That's a very good, simple to understand Simple to example. understand example. That's what I'm, I'm after there. But mm -hmm. let's get into some of these more, uh, maybe not so easy to understand yeah. teachings of the church. Here's the basic teaching of the church. It is this. God created the marital embrace to be the way children come into the world. Mm. We know that children come into the world in other ways. Uh, an act of adultery is not the marital embrace. Right. An act of fornication is not the marital embrace. An act of rape is not the marital embrace. In vitro fertilization is not the marital embrace. Mm -hmm. Artificial insemination is not the marital embrace. Mm. Children come into the world through all of these means, and those children would not exist if God did not want them to exist. Mm -hmm. God wants those children to exist. No one exists that God did not want to exist. That's impossible yeah. for a person to exist that God did not want to exist. But God would not have wanted that person to exist through these means. Mm. God's plan, God's desire, is that the child would be the fruit of the loving, sacramental gift of husband and wife to each other. Now, husbands and wives uh, have no guarantee that their gift to each other will result in a child. And if medicine and technology can do something to aid the marital embrace in achieving its natural end, for example, if a woman is not ovulating and she can take a medicine that enables her to ovulate and the child is conceived in the normal way, praise God, medicine and technology has aided uh, the human body to do what it's made to do through the marital embrace. Uh, if a man has a low sperm count and he can do something to increase that sperm count, praise God, that's all within keeping because it honors the marital embrace as the means by which the child is conceived. However, if the marital embrace is replaced with another act by which the child is conceived, artificial insemination, for example, or in vitro fertilization, if the marital embrace is replaced as the means by which the child is conceived, this is contrary to God's plan. I would urge everybody out there who's interested in really understanding these questions to read my chapter on these issues in my book, Good News About Sex and Marriage. We'll have the link below to that book. Uh, but, but here's what is at stake. Sex and babies belong together. Mm. And when we separate them, disaster follows. Uh, and that, that may sound rather drastic, uh, but it's not an exaggeration. The church's teaching on reproductive technologies is really just the flip side of her teaching on contraception. Uh, sex and babies belong together, and we may not separate what God has joined. Those are Christ's words. And those words are spoken in the, in the very context of marriage. We may not separate what God has joined. God has joined sex and babies. Contraception says, I want the sex without the babies. 
and in vitro and and uh, artificial insemination say, I want the babies without the sex. Uh, again, at first glance, you might say, well, a desire for a baby is a beautiful, wonderful thing. What's wrong with pursuing whatever you might need to pursue to have a baby? Well, we've already laid down the principle, the end does not justify the means. And when we separate the child from the loving embrace of the couple, there is a very real danger that we start to see the child as a product. These procedures cost a lot of money, mm. right? And and when you get in that zone of, of producing a child in a Petri dish, you, you want not just any child, you, you want you paid a lot of money for that, and and you you want it like a designer child. Um, not that everybody would fall into that, but the danger is very real. Uh, the danger is that the child becomes a right that you are demanding, that you are paying for, that you... I, I've laid down X tens of thousands of dollars for this child, and and you, you begin... you can fall very easily into a mentality of treating the child as a thing. Uh, and and suppose you laid down your twenty, thirty thousand dollars and you got a child with a birth defect, with Down syndrome or something. You know what the technician, the whole mentality around that becomes, well, we'll just discard this and, and give you a quote better one. Uh, well, we we've we've entered into a domain. As soon as we as soon as we become the masters of life, as soon as we cross that line from creature, that's what we are, we are creatures, we are stewards of life in the marital embrace, as soon as we cross that line and, and, and say, I now am the master of the forces of life, then, then we start playing God in all kinds of ways. And this is a line we... we we cannot cross. And the church in her wisdom, the church in her love, the church in her her true pastoral concern for the world is saying, beware that line. There is a line that we are not free to cross. We are not the masters of life. We are the stewards of the forces of life through our sexuality. Uh, and there's there's a, a major difference there. It's really the the difference of receiving the gift of life as a gift from God, or grasping at it, demanding it. And that's that's really the nature of the original sin. We did not believe the Lord wanted to grant the desires of our heart, so we grasped at it. We took it. Remember, Christ is our example here. Christ, who Himself was God, the Scripture says did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. And that is the posture that we must take. We, we may not make ourselves like God. We can receive what God wants to give us, but we cannot grasp. I feel like you're giving our listeners such a powerful principle to take to their prayer, whether you yourself are struggling with this desire for a baby that um, has not yet come, or, or you just know someone and feel compassion for their suffering, that the principle of really accepting there's a creator, 
and I'm a creature and his ways and his thoughts are not for me to tell. It's not, I'm not the one in charge of how he should run the world. Yes. And although this is a source of suffering in my life or someone that I love, there's also just a need to understand God brings good out of suffering, but he doesn't want us to grasp at our definition of what that good will be. Yes. And, and call that all good, put good as a label on all of it. Even if there was a good desire for a child, that the Lord also wants us to have a desire for his will, a desire to trust in his ways um, that is even more important for our eternal salvation than this other good desire. Yes, I don't know if yes. I'm making sense there, but, but that sense, uh, what I'm wanting to say is... Um, this is not what our culture tells us. And so so this is where our faith and living our faith is a very real and gritty reality. And yet there's freedom in it. There's freedom in saying, I'm not God. Yes. I need to surrender to you, Lord, and let you be God. Let you bring good out of this pain as you so faithfully do. Um Preach it, Wendy. Preach it. This is good. This is good. We need to hear it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard. But whether infertility has been our story or not, we've all had situations where our good desires went unmet. And it caused a, a response in us that we need to keep opening up to the Lord. Yes, yes. And, and that opening up of our suffering, of our distress, of our anger— at unfulfilled desire, that is a very, very important part of our journey. It's it's entering into what the saints call the prayer of agony. My God, my God, why, why, why have you abandoned me? Uh, opening that up, uh, pouring our hearts out to the Lord, not censoring what's inside our hearts, but pouring our hearts out as they are. This is all part of prayer. And, and I would add this, one of the most piercing definitions of suffering I've ever heard is this. Suffering is continued receptivity before the Lord. It's the refusal to take that posture of playing God and accepting I am a creature and staying in the posture of the creature. Wendy, you and I have talked about this on many occasions, just reflected in our own experience of married life, that sexuality, fertility, the marital embrace itself, like no other experience in life, is, is where we experience our creatureliness. It's where we experience also that we are most like God. Mm. We've been given this power by God to participate with him in his most stunning act of creation. Absolutely astounding. We are like God, uh, but we're not God. We're like God, but we are not God, and we must remain in that creaturely posture of acceptance of his will, which is not our will. Uh, you know, Christ in the, in the garden, uh, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. That is the posture of the creature. And with Christ as our example here, again, he was God, but he took on our humanity. 
and in his human nature lived through all that we live through in that posture of being human before the 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 Lord before the before the God who created humanity Christ in his human nature also had that posture and we we learn right there not my will your will be done there's great suffering but there's also great fertility there is no more potent fertility than what happened at the cross which the fathers of the church describe as the marriage bed the cross is the marriage bed where the marriage between Christ and the church was consummated and it brought more fertility more life-givingness to the universe than any other act in all of history and those spouses who long for children but are unable to have them uh, in as much as they unite that suffering with the Lord on the cross they are supernaturally fertile in a way that we can't even fathom but in eternity people will be coming up to that couple thanking them for their eternal life like they will be their spiritual children when 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 whenever we embrace this union with Christ on the cross we are spiritually fertile we are bearing forth spiritual children for the kingdom it's real it's more real that fertility is more real than conceiving a child biologically uh, this is what our faith teaches this is what we are called to to enter into in faith through faith and by doing so bear abundant fruit our next question is from vanessa she hello says, vanessa dear christopher and wendy i've just discovered your podcast and all your work i have so much to learn and know that God wants to enlighten so many things for me. But I've never had a boyfriend. Now that I'm 24 and I'm looking to see if God wants me to get married, I do get scared at the thought of sex. Sadly, I grew up thinking that sex was a forbidden thing and I find myself afraid thinking about my wedding night. I know it's a gift, it's a donation, but I can't help being afraid. I don't know the male body. I feel so insecure in so many ways. I have the desire to fulfill my vocation and mission as a woman to give my life to bring to the world children that may love God above everything, but I'm so human and afraid. What should I do to prepare myself in this time to heal from these thoughts, even while I'm still single? As you can see, Wendy, I have a big smile on my face. Hmm. I love this person. Mm -hmm. Bless you, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. Bless you, bless you. Thank you for sharing your question with us. It's so human. It's so real. It's so honest, so vulnerable. Thank you. I, I just feel a, a deep reverence for Vanessa and her heart. And gosh, I, I mean, there's so much I could say. Uh, don't have time to say everything I'd want to say, but Vanessa, it's very clear to me, very clear to both of us, that you're already on this journey, and the Lord has you in his hands. My encouragement to you would be to really take, a take up a study, a prayerful study of John Paul II's theology of the body. It will take you into what scripture calls the mega-mystery of sexuality. Uh, this is a great mystery, Paul says. This is a mega mystery. What is? Our creation as male and female and the call of the two to become one flesh. This is a mega mystery and it refers to Christ and his love for the church. 
Christ is the bridegroom who gave up his body for his bride so that we, the church, the bride of Christ, might become one flesh with him and thus conceive eternal life. This is the overarching, beautiful, glorious plan of God for our sexuality. And John Paul II will help you take a deep, deep dive into that mystery. And I think it will help open your heart. It will help answer your questions. It will take you on a journey that you're already on, but it will take you deeper. And I I would suggest maybe starting with Theology of the Body for Beginners, then maybe move on to Good News About Sex and Marriage, the Q&A book. I think that will answer for you a lot of the more practical, kind of nitty-gritty questions that you might have about how does this mystery get lived out? Uh, What does it look like? What are the challenges? What are the real uh, difficulties? What are the real struggles that real married couples have uh, living this out? I think that book, Good News About Sex and Marriage, will be a very practical aid for you. And I'd also certainly encourage you, Vanessa, to consider either online or in person taking Theology of the Body one at least through through the Institute. And you can check out the course schedule in the in the show notes. What are your thoughts, Wendy? And I'm sure you have something to share here. I think all of what you just said is so helpful and true and you're right. She is on a beautiful journey um, here and it's it's painful to have these kinds of um, yeah secret fears. It's confusing, um, and so thank you for putting it in the light, Vanessa. And I know many of our listeners can relate and are saying, "Yes, yes, I feel that way too." So thank you for speaking for so many um, people who have these just concerns. And I don't think just women. I think you know that the questions about when you talked about feeling insecure, you know. We have such a, a, we get such false images in yeah, our culture yeah. about um, what what it all should be like, um, and anyone can feel insecure about that, not living up to a false ideal of the human body, concern about how will my own body respond in this situation, all of that that's very um, real to the deep places in so many people's hearts. So thank you for bringing it up. I do think in addition to all that you've mentioned that I'm just remembering, I guess, a time when um, one of our TOB1 students um, just came to me and said, I feel like I'm embarrassed at my age to still have so many questions about the body and what it all, how it all works. And uh, was a young woman and just said, can I just ask you some questions? And I sat down with her in a private place to just kind of explain some things about the marital embrace, about the feminine body, the masculine body, um, that was just helpful for her to have like some of those real practical questions answered. And I hope Vanessa, the Lord will lead you to someone in your life, whether a married woman or even a married couple, if you feel that kind of comfort to just ask some questions. Um, and I, I do pray that that could be just also a fruitful experience for you to get some specific questions answered. We can't go into all of it on the podcast with general listeners. It should be a private conversation. I just had an idea for Vanessa. 
Mm-hmm. I think, Vanessa, that you should take a natural family planning class. Mm. That could be a really beautiful experience for you in getting in touch with and really appreciating with a, a deep awe and wonder the way the Lord has made your body and the way the Lord has designed a man's body and how together they work in such a wondrous way to do a miraculous thing. Uh, I, I think, what do you think, When Do you think that would be helpful for? Absolutely. And I, I just feel a little caution for Vanessa that we've suggested so many things. <laughs> Sorry, Vanessa. We can be that way sometimes. Forgive us, listeners. Please just say a prayer if you're feeling overwhelmed that the Lord would lead you to the right first thing. The first, that's right. Just and the next step. Take the all. next step and trust everything else will, will fall into place. Our next question is from Kathy. Hello, Kathy. I'm an occupational therapist and a health life coach who wants to help people with mental health issues to be more integrated in their bodies. Mm, that's a good calling. And with God. I'm looking for a more thorough understanding of integration and chastity. What do you recommend? Kathy, I would recommend maybe beginning with Carol Wojtyla's book, Love and Responsibility. Uh, It can be a heavy read for some if you're not philosophically inclined, if you're not used to terms like metaphysics, You might want to get a book that explains love and responsibility. Ted Sri wrote a book called, I think, Men and Women and the Mystery of Love or something like that, which unfolds some of the themes of love and responsibility. In fact, I just recorded my talks for our upcoming virtual conference, and I recorded four talks giving a basic introduction to the main themes of love and responsibility. So mm-hmm. I would sign up for the virtual conference uh, coming up at the end of April and uh, yeah, listen to those talks on love and responsibility. I'd also recommend, uh, sorry to sound like a broken record here, but my Q&A book, Good News About Sex and Marriage, the whole book is really helping readers to gain an integral vision of chastity. And I'm glad you used that word, Kathy, integral because there are some disintegral or disintegrated approaches to chastity which are are self-contradictory because the very word chastity if you look it up in the catechism it's the catechism says that chastity is the integration of the spiritual and sexual aspects of our humanity mm. chastity the true virtue of chastity it's not a repression of sexual desire, it's a redemption of sexual desire. John Paul II says in his Theology of the Body that the, the, the number one anthropological question, what does that mean? The number one question about what does it mean to be human, anthropology, the study of, of man, of, of our humanity, he says the, the most important, the number one question that anthropology must look at is the relationship between the body and the soul. We could say spirituality and sexuality. How are they united? How are they integrated? And the rupture caused by original sin happens right here. It's a rupture of body and soul. The goal of the Christian journey is the reintegration of the spiritual and the physical. This is our faith. 
This is what the sacraments are all about. This is what the incarnation is all about. This is what a life of prayer is all about. Living a spiritual life is not a rejection of the body. Christian spirituality is always incarnational spirituality. If we are trying to divorce ourselves from our bodies in order to reach God, we can make no sense of the fact that God has wed himself to the human body in order to reach us, right? Christianity is not a flight from the body to reach God. Christianity is the exact opposite movement, God taking on a body to reach us. Chastity is the living out of the implications of the incarnation. And this is why one of my favorite lines from the Catechism, chastity is a promise of immortality. Hold on, did you hear that? Chastity is a promise of immortality. It's a promise that you will live forever bodily, because chastity is the journey of reintegrating the spirit and the flesh, body and soul, spirituality and sexuality, and all of our humanity, the physical and the spiritual, united in the person, is destined for eternal life. What are your thoughts, Wendy? Just, Kathy, in your coaching, I know that you are both helping people to make healthy decisions for their present and their future, but also looking at, at times, what things have happened in their past that have, you know, brought them to a difficult place. And I I find that um, all of the resources Christopher has mentioned not only enlighten one's kind of choices right now, but they can help us make sense of what has injured us in the past, whether it was our own choices or things that others did. Sometimes naming something, sometimes just um, shining light on what is wrong with certain things is very freeing. I mean, mm. they may be painful things to remember, but when we say, okay, it makes sense now, yes, I understand. Yes. I understand God's purpose. I understand how this was, you know, went away from his purposes, that can bring a real just, yeah, freedom. As Good point, about. Wendy. And, and that reminds me, the first time I read Love and Responsibility, mm-hmm. I was in my early 20s. It was so enlightening to me. It made sense out of my life. It made mm-hmm. sense out of my experience. It made sense out of the pain I was in, it made sense out of the pain I caused others. And it gave me hope that there is another way to see, to think, to live a, an integral life, that, that the Christian life was not a negation of sexuality, but the redemption of sexuality. So hopeful. I, I'm glad you, you shared that. It really does. The more we come to see what God's plan is, the more it puts our whole life in proper perspective in a way that, that gives us real hope and shows us what a gift it is to be alive. On that note, don't ever forget it, all you dear listeners out there. You are a gift, indispensable gift, irreplaceable gift, an unrepeatable gift of life and love. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. 
If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. Thank you.